When you wear something, it should tell a story about you. It should be a part of your story. And when somebody sees it, they should automatically have that feeling like that fits. You know, he looks great in that. And it's just not, oh, well, I got the newest release of whatever just came out. Yeah, so I think it's more so understanding where you're going and then buying those pieces that really speak to you. Because that's what matters at the end of the day. If I feel good, that's all that matters. Hey, what's up, guys? Drew Danishin here, and welcome to the podcast. On this episode, we are interviewing the creative gentleman, better known as O'Neill Gardner. O'Neill uh, runs the Creative Gentleman fashion blog and Instagram account. This guy is a stylish, stylish man. Uh, we talk about, of course, how he got into styling and fashion, uh, how he started his fashion blog, uh, the content process that he goes through with fashion shoots and finding the right outfit, and we go into a couple style guides for some, you know, just some quick men's style guides, you know, if you've wanted to try to up your wardrobe. I was curious, so I thought it might be interesting for you guys. You can check out O'Neill at The Creative Gentleman on Instagram, or you can go to, let's see, the finest website, thecreativegentleman.net, and that is, uh, that'll is that have all his information, and all his styles and shoots, and it's great stuff. This is a great interview. I uh, hope you enjoy, and uh, I won't delay anymore. Let's get started. So we have O'Neill Gardner here on the podcast. O'Neill, thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. So if you can quickly give us like five-minute, quick, short summary intro of like who you are, what you're about. All right. Um, so, so again, I'm O'Neill Gardner, the creative gentleman um, based out of the DMV area. Uh, for me, my story begun about three years ago. Um, one, one of my friends just seen me just kind of just styling myself and they're like, man, you need to you need to post some stuff on Instagram. And I'm like, I wasn't a big social media person, so I wasn't on Facebook or anything like that. And I was just like, I, I don't know. Um, so ultimately, they just kind of pushed me to you know, drop some styles, put it on there and just see where we go from there. And that's where it really came from. Like the, the creative gentleman was just, um, I don't know, it's an extension of me. So I always used to be, you know, and I still am, I'm into fashion and my friends noticed that. So they just pretty much were like, you should be doing this because they'll see like a bunch of other big influencers on Instagram doing some crazy things. And they're like, oh, you know, you dress better than them and this, that and the third. But it was just like, for me, I just... You know, I stuck to myself um, and ultimately, you know, I, I, I made the dive. So I was just like, let me just try. Let me post, you know, one or two pictures a week and see how it goes. And I started to get some good responses um, based on, you know, posting my outfits. They're like, I like the way that you style things. And I think really uh, what set me apart at the time that I really started styling was just my ability to one mixed patterns. But then the other thing, they love the way that I like um, styled sneakers with suits. Um, it wasn't something that you really would do or or somebody would entertain that type of style. So I used to do that. And that was just uh, me, you know, it was a comfortable space for me. And um, I think that I really thrived there and I still do it now. Um, so if you go to my page, you're going to see a lot of patterns, a lot of just being yourself is what's important. So for me, style is um, telling a story. So I should be able to sit down in a room and you all will gauge or have an idea of the type of person that I am based on how I dress. Um, so when I step into the room, I don't look like a lot of the other people that are in that same exact room. So I kind of stand out. And I think that it's cool um, for me. 
So that, I think that's, that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of where it started, so three years ago. So, I mean, where did the love of fashion kind of come from? Like, middle school, high school? Were you, like, were, had you always had a, an eye for fashion? Or were you, like, were you a bad dresser? And then, like, so you, so you had this epiphany growing up? What happened? <laughs> no, so here's the thing. So the crazy thing is it, it, I did, I did um, go through an evolution. So um, growing up, it was, everything was about style. Like, who had the latest Jordans? Who had the latest Nikes? Me and my friends, we used to always be in competition. We used to go out, buy all the shoes, style. So that used to always be a part of just kind of my DNA and just what we've done here in the DMV area. And I know you're kind of new to the area, but you could see it. People are styling like there's a lot of stylish people here in the city and they they create their own style. And I think that that's what sets us apart in D.C. is you'll see a lot of different just styles, just individuals doing their own thing. And, and that's really what I love about the area. Um, so for me, it actually started when I was younger, um, just kind of putting outfits together, uh, you know, seeing my older brother go out and him styling and his friends styling, you know, you just kind of pick up on certain things. Uh, so ever since like elementary school, it has been a part of what I've done. But what's interesting is when I go back and look at the pictures of me when I was younger, my style's changed. It's not the same. You know, I used to wear baggier clothes. I used to just, as I mentioned before, wear a lot of Jordans and, and Nikes and, and things like that. But now for me, I pick different pieces that fit the story that I'm trying to um, convey to the people that see me wearing it. Um, so now I'm, I'm looking at other brands. They might not even be named brands. They might not even be brands that are known right now. But as long as the style fits the story that I'm trying to tell, I'm going to buy that particular item to fit fit the build. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's changed. Yeah. What was like growing up best outfit that you see like in a picture like, yeah, that that stuck or and then go worst outfit from like, you know, you're a teenager. And you're like, I cannot believe I wore that. Oh, man, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just looked at one of my college pictures the other day and I swear uh, I am like a size probably 31 and a half in my waist. I was wearing probably a size 36 or 40. <laughs> Big pants. <laughs> and like a double XL like track jacket and like some Jordans. Like I looked at it and I was like, man, I look so ridiculous. But at the time that was a style, you know, it, it people like that. And just to look now, my style's a little bit more refined. My clothes fit a little bit more um, snug. They're not tight, but they just, they're, they're well fitted. Um, I don't wear a lot of like baggy clothes and things like that, unless it's a certain type of style that I'm going for. Um, but yeah, so the style has definitely changed. So that probably was the worst outfit. Um, some of my best outfits, just like I mentioned before, is probably just me just pairing like some suits with a nice pair of like Jack Purcells or a pair of tree torns. Just, I mean, it, it, it all depends. But I think I'm most comfortable when I'm, you know, rocking like suits with shoes. How do you see fashion with functionality? How do you see, you know, because there's definitely high fashion where yeah. it's uncomfortable to wear. Right. It's expensive. It's very like odd material versus like comfort, everyday right. functionality. What What's your philosophy when it comes to, I guess, everyday formal wear or everyday informal wear? Uh, again, I think 
where we're at in in style and fashion, everybody's an individual. So what I may consider to be an everyday wear or something that's functional, somebody else may say, well, I, I don't think that works for me every day. So I think it really comes down to the ind- individual. So for me, um, based on just um, the career field that I'm in now, I have to wear, I have to go pretty much business professional, right? So pretty much Monday through Friday, I'm business professional. Um, When I'm not business professional, you will probably find me wearing something patterned. Um, Again, you'll probably probably see me wearing something along the lines of, you know, suits and sneakers. Just I just want to be comfortable. Um, So when I walk around, I want to be comfortable. And for me, that type of look is functional. Because I could walk into a room and while you may think, hey, you need to be wearing some dress shoes with this suit, it just it looks as though that's the way it's supposed to be Um, just by the way that I put it together. Okay. And do you I mean, do you find yourself, you know, because there's definitely what is expected, what is formal, what is informal, what is business casual? Do you find yourself? tweaking that just a little bit or how do you I mean how do you approach like I don't know if we call this like the structure of fashion or yeah. like the the pillars of fashion yeah. like how do you how do you approach the you know I want to put my own take on what you consider business casual or what you consider business formal so it, it depends on the scenario for me so it really comes down to to the scenario um, whether it's I, I can dress for the event so if I know what the event is I can kind of know where I can push the envelope, where I need to scale back and do some different things. So, for example, um, the other day I hosted a an event for Grand Marier, right? Uh, Grand Marier is a luxury type of um, spirit. So I knew that going in there, I was going to do something along the lines of a dinner jacket. So I wore a dinner jacket, and typically with those dinner jackets, you would think that you would need to wear some tuxedo pants. I decided I opted out of doing that. I just wore some high-waisted brown trousers that um, went with that mustard jacket that I wore. And then I wore the oversized bow tie and then complemented that with some velvet slippers. And again, it... When I walked in, everybody was like, whoa. They were like, this looks like so good. And it matched that scene that they were going for. It matched the brand. And for me, I, you know, before I step out of the house, you know, I have to have an understanding, okay, where am I going? Um, how can I push the envelope? Because in that moment, while it looked like, hey, that's the way that it should be, I know that I was pushing the envelope. But I had an understanding of what the brand wanted to do. So essentially, like I added my twist to it. Um, So it just depends. You just have to understand where you're going. And then you kind of you'll get an idea of how you can push the envelope. But I've been places where it's like a formal event. And again, I'm wearing a whole suit, but then I have some sneakers on and it, you know, looks good. They're like, I didn't even know that we could do that. Like people walk up to me and I say, I didn't even know you could do that. I mean, it looks like good. It looks like, he said, I would do that day to day. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I it, I feel comfortable. How much is, is it design versus patterns versus, you know, we, before we started the podcast, you mm-hmm. talked about the emotions yeah. behind, yeah. you know, wearing something. If you're not comfortable, if you don't have the confidence, anything that you wear won't look good. 
or like how you carry yourself doesn't yeah. look good. I, I, I truly believe that you can wear designer, you could wear the most trendy piece that you want, but if there's no confidence to complement that, then it's almost just like, why are you wearing it? At least to me. It's like, why are you wearing it? When you wear something, it should tell a story about you. It should be a part of your story. And when somebody sees it, they should automatically have that feeling like that fits. You know, he looks great in that. And it's just not, oh, well, I got the newest release of whatever just came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's more so understanding where you're going and then buying those pieces that really speak to you. Because that's what matters at the end of the day. You know, people, not everybody appreciates my style, and I understand that, you know, and I'm okay with that. But at the end of the day, if I feel good, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it could be like a bad haircut. Or like, <laughs> yeah. te- technically, this yeah. is the highest fashion yeah. haircut you can get, but if yeah. you feel like a dork in it, then... Yeah, it's, just, it's weird. You're going to always look at yourself, or you're going to run to the mirror, you're going to grab your cell phone, and like, oh, does it look... You just have to be able to put something on and you just know like, hey, I'm I'm fine. I'm good to go. And and that's how I feel. I don't want to have to continue to check behind myself to see, oh, this these pants are a little bit too tight. How do they look in the mirror? Do I look funny? Is everybody looking at me because the pants? You know what I mean? So I don't want it to be that. I want it to be, okay, well, one, I'm comfortable. I'm confident in people. And that's translating to other people where they're feeling that energy. There's magazines, mm-hmm. Instagram. What's like your source of inspiration? Are you are you finding things outside of fashion that are inspiring? So as of right now, a lot of the inspiration to your point is it's coming from magazines. It's coming from certain things that I'm seeing on Instagram. But if I was to point out one individual that I feel like my style is similar to, I would say Spike Lee. Um, Spike Lee just, he has a certain level of just confidence in the things that he's wearing and you know that he's wearing stuff that he feels like wearing mm-hmm. and we're talking current spike lee or 90s spike lee both okay he's he's doing right. his thing yeah. he's doing his thing so like when i see him I, it's like i'm kind of seeing my he's older than me but i'm seeing myself i'm like i would have did the same exact thing but it's it's good to have people out and there's other people that are also doing it but like if there's there's one person that stands out it'll be Spike Lee and and even Andre 3000 he does the same thing too um so those two people they're just they have that creative mind and it translate into the things that they're wearing on that with celebrities like that do they normally have a fashion designer kind of following them or are they themselves like curating that that look I mean, of course, they have designers that are making pieces for them, but I know that they're the driving force behind it. Okay, I know they're the driving like force. They're, they're pushing the creatives. Yeah, they're pushing the creatives, but they are finding those pieces and they're finding those designers that are making those unique pieces that they like. And that's what I do, too. So, like, if I find a designer or a company that makes certain pieces or patterns that I like, I, t- I, I tend to stick with those companies because I know that they're going to make stuff that that's easy for me to style. And I don't have to search or just wonder where I could find these different things. Trends that start, yeah. trends that you see, it starts at, you know, the highest end fa- yeah. French, yeah. whatever, Italian yeah. fashion rings. And then it trickles down into like, how does it get from there to, I don't know, Walmart or Belk or like, <laughs> you know, the most basic levels? I mean, so I, I guess if you, yeah, if you're if you're speaking like designers or just how the trends start, I mean, it... it, it <sighs> 
it, it's tough to say. I mean, the, the challenge is this, right? So in most cases, the celebrities can afford a lot of these high fashion trends that you're speaking of, right? So when they wear it, they automatically influence millions of people around the world, right? I want that. I want that piece. Exactly, because they saw that person wearing it. But it goes back to my point. Just because somebody's wearing it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. It may be good for them, and that's why it looks so good. They're coming out confident, and it matches exactly what they, you know, the story that they're trying to tell. But then for those people below them, like you speak of the middle class and then the other people under them, it again, it may fit that type of look. For them, but I, I just think for me, like trendy looks, they're they're good, you know, and I, I do add some of that into my wardrobe, but that's not the basis of it. So I pick I look I pick bits and pieces of it and add it there. But essentially, as far as uh just being trendy and how it ends up, you know, from a top level into a store, um, again, the the store that's gonna take on those designers. One, they have to have a market for it or they're not going to buy into it or they may just uh, be online with it. They may sell it just on an online platform and not actually carry those items in the store. Um, so that's that's one thing. You have to have the demographic that can afford those pieces or it's pointless to have it just to say that you have it in your store and then you're not moving units. Um, so you just have to be in an area where um, those clientele purchase those things or else what ends up happening, you just have to be like an online boutique where um, you're kind of managing that cost where you don't have like a brick and mortar, but you still have the high end pieces that you can sell, but you don't have to do it through a brick and mortar. So you're saving money, but then you just have to have a good online presence to move those units. Let's talk about the creative gentleman a little bit more. Yeah. You talked, you know, happened three years ago. Yeah. You just kind of started on a whim or like from your friends encouraging you. Right. And like, yeah. was it a slow build? Were you putting out stuff for the audience or were you putting it out just for yourself? And then like, when did you see something like actually picking up? Or like, oh, wow. That's like, a good this, question. Like, this is like, whoa, wait, have some traction here. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you this. When I, very, when I first started, I was putting out content that I believed people would like. And I think looking back, I don't think I know, looking back, um, that is one of probably the the biggest mistakes that I made because I was, I was being safe. Uh, but now I'm not being safe. I'm creating content that I want. I'm styling myself the way that I want to. And I'm getting more of a response because one, it's authentic and it's original. Uh, so I think where I really started to see uh, the creative gentleman take off, I would say it was probably right around the end of 2017. Um, so right around the end of 2017, I was posting consistently. Like I was posting maybe like even three times a day. Wow. Right, which was insane. Like everybody around me is like, how are you posting three times a day? And I was just like, I don't know. It's just like... The, the followers are coming in. They like it. I'm just posting, posting, posting. But as I started to um, listen to other influencers and start to engage in different courses on social media, you start to realize that, yeah, it's good to post frequently, but you have to understand what frequently is for you. But the other thing is, is that you want it to be authentic. You don't want it to just be spammy, like I'm just posting. So I started to work on my story. And my story was 
you know, a guy that's young, a guy that has children, a guy that's married, and he's still keeping up his looks and he's still confident about the way that he steps out regardless of, you know, kind of the other responsibilities that he has. And I think that that's a good story because there's a lot of other guys out there that also share the similar story with me, but they may not um, be as confident or they're not, um, you know, thinking about, okay, well, now that I'm a dad or I'm working a nine to five, like, I don't need to worry about, you know, looking good or, or styling myself. And that's not true. You can still do it. So I'm, I'm here for that type of guy. Have you had people reach out to you and say like, you know, before this, yeah. like, I remember, you know, I'm like the married guy that was like, yeah. when I was in my twenties, <laughs> I was, I was looking good. That's what it was all about. Yeah. And then like, now that I'm married, it's like, ah, eh, whatever. Eh. Yeah. Eh. I get those people all the time. They're like, I don't know how you do it. They're like, how are you, um, so active on social media, how are you still keeping up with your style? You know, how are you managing just kind of family life with social, you know, it, it's so many crazy things, but um, there's so many answers to it. Cause you know, one part of it is, you know, your significant other has to be supportive of what you're doing, which I have that, that support system. Um, so my wife is supportive of the things that I'm doing on social media. She understands it. And I think what helped the process out was she came in while I was doing it. <laughs> oh. So you know what I mean? So it's not like yeah. it was something just new. So she's mm -hmm. been here and watched me kind of evolve through it. So she understands it. And, you know, obviously now we have uh, kids and they I don't really share them too much on my social media because I don't want them to feel like, you know, that's something that they have to do. Um, but every now and then, I, you know, I'll post a, a story here or there of them. But uh, I just really like I just want to keep this thing going. I want to see how far I can go with it, because I know that I'm I'm passionate about it. I know I have the support system and I know that there's a lot of other guys that wish that they could do it. And I know they can do it. And I'm just trying to create a blueprint to show them like, hey, this is how you go about it. Like and they don't have to post every day. Um, it's, it's not about that, but it's just, you know, being confident in yourself. You don't have to give up or just say, hey, this is how life is supposed to be because I'm now at this stage. You can still have fun. You can still be young and, you know, have those responsibilities. So I am just in the process right now learning how to um, keep everything balanced. Yeah. How do you see balance or, you know, everybody talks about lately has been talking about burnout. Yeah. You know, they they want to do a side hustle. They want to start their own yeah. account, their own personal brand, yeah. and they're working a nine to five. And then, you know, from 9 p.m. to midnight yeah. or 1 a.m., yeah. they're working on something else. Like, have you experienced burnout? How do you, you know, what advice would you give to someone who says, like, I'm like, I, you know, creative gentleman, I'm trying, like, <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. Like, I want to post three times yeah. a day. I can't, yeah. though. Like, yeah. I, I got to balance. How do you balance it? Man, I, I would be a liar if I said I, I, one, have never burned out or have never had the feeling of being burned out. It happens often because you got to think majority of your day, at, at least if you're working a nine to five, majority of your day is spent at work. And then when you get off of work, realistically, you have about maybe four to five hours before you need to go to sleep and then wake up to do it all over again. Right. But then you have to throw in, wow, I have a wife. I have kids and I have the side hustle that I'm trying to do. You're trying to balance all of those things. So it's important if you're in that particular type of scenario 
you have to try your best to plan everything out. And it won't it won't always be perfect, but you have to try your best to have everything planned. Um, because if you can plan majority of the things, it makes it easier for you. And then you have more line of sight of what you're trying to accomplish as opposed to, OK, well, I have a couple hours. Let me just kind of work on this thing. You have to know what you're doing. Um, and I think sometimes I can get lost and not have a game plan in place. And every time that happens, I just start to jot down a list. I have these campaigns that I need to work on. I have these photo shoots coming up. Uh, the things that I have to do on my nine to five, you know, I have that written down as well, but at least something's jotted down. So I kind of have an idea of what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a behind the scenes of the creative gentleman from like, how do we, how do we get to the finished product, the final post on Instagram, everything, okay. like, a, like be detailed apps, tricks, hacks, <laughs> like who, oh. what phone calls are we making? What emails are we sending before we're saying like, this is the photo publish. All right. Is it, are you speaking of collabs or just in general, like pictures being posted? Let's go. We'll go just like a typical photo. Okay. So, so like a typical photo, uh, what that would look like, and and I try to I try to do things seasonally, um, just so it's easier for me. So right now we're in spring and summer, so I know that majority of the looks that I'm going to be putting out are going to be spring and summer looks. Um, so the first things first is kind of scheduling out a weekend where I can go out and shoot. Cause the thing is I'm not shooting every weekend. So I'm selecting maybe two weekends out of the month where I kind of dedicate a couple hours to shoot probably like 10 or more outfits. Right. So that those 10 or more outfits are in my car. Um, I go, my wife actually takes majority of my pictures. So, you know, we go out, we scope out the areas that we're going to go to. Um, so we plot that out. Um, I, have my outfits with me, we'll shoot the concepts of the outfits that I want to kind of put out there for everybody. Um, at that point, I do all the editing. So I do my editing in, in Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, I do my color correcting the whole nine, but I'm going to backtrack just a little bit just to kind of give uh, the photography standpoint. Um, so one of the most critical, I don't care what camera you have, um, the important thing for you to do is when you're going out and shooting, try your best to match your colors in camera because it's going to make it so easy for you to edit when you get home. The biggest mistakes that I've done myself and that I've seen other people do is not get their colors right in camera because at that point, one, you're going to create more work for yourself. And two, you may not be able to recover the type of color that you wanted to put across when when you have mm -hmm. the final product. Yeah, a, a filter can only go so far. Sometimes. Yeah, because I know yeah. if you if you look at my Instagram page, my my, my pictures are vibrant. So you, when you see the color, you're like, oh, I know that's red. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no yeah. doubt about it. So th that's what's important to me, and 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 what helps me out is that I nail the color in camera, so that when I go into post to add that pop, it's it, it's so easy. You know, uh, and the other thing is just have your preset. So if you can create like a preset, because I have a look that I go for. So that's why my page, you know, pretty much each of the pictures look cohesive because I use, you know, the presets that I've created mm -hmm. so that all my pictures, once I'm done doing my color corrections, the when I add that preset, it gives that final look that you the see. Sig when, signature look. Exactly. Yeah. So if you look at my page, the one thing that you're going to see, you're going to see vibrant colors and you're going to see very sharp images, like very detailed, sharp. Like I'm, I'm a fan of like my images being like crisp. Mm 
Uh, yeah, so as far as the picture taking portion, that takes hours. <laughs> yeah. It takes hours. No, I'm I mean, sure it's like half a day. Yeah, full day. you know, you're you're posing, and you know, you want your pictures to look a certain way. So we're taking a picture, and then you know, I'll look at it on the camera, like ah, uh, I don't like this one. Let me try another pose. Oh, this one works. And then along the lines, and a lot of creators know this. Along the line of you taking those pictures, you start to create ideas in your mind. So that's what can, you know, take it from it being a one hour shoot to two hour shoot because now you're getting creative. You're like, oh, did you see that stop sign over there? Maybe if I sit under it, it'll tell a different a different story. Um, so that's what that's that's what it looks like for me as far as just a normal picture. Um, it's just planning it out. Um, I typically shoot uh, once or twice a month and I shoot multiple outfits all at once because I just don't have the time to go out every day and shoot. It's just not it's not possible. And then you're batching, I guess, everything. You have yeah. 10, 20, 30 photos yeah. ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. So like, you know, the different outfits. Oh, and then I know you were asking about apps. Um, there is, there's one good app that I use as far as if I want to add any more punch to my pictures, and that's um, Visco. I think everybody uses Visco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody, I, I yeah. So if you have Visco, just find the mood that you like for your images, and that could be that little final touch for your pictures. Um, but the other thing that's equally important for your feed is just knowing what your feed's going to look like as you post your pictures. So I have this app, and it's called Preview. It's free. Um, and what it allows you to do, it allows you to select the images that you want to post, and you can play around with it sort of like Tetris and put your pictures together and see how it would look on your feed before you actually post it. So that way you know, okay, one, my feed is going to look pretty good. It's going to look cohesive. And then you know when to post each of those images. Mm. And then captions, do you have any, just do you write captions in the moment? Write, yeah. So, so as of right now, I've been writing the captions in the moment. I, I know I need to sit down and have my, so my ultimate goal is to already have my captions ready to go for each picture. But sometimes I'm just so on the move that I have to just create the captions on the go. So sometimes what I'll end up doing is looking at the image that I want to post and whatever emotion comes to mind or whatever thought comes to mind, I kind of I write that out. And then I fine tune it into the caption and then I post it. So let's talk about Instagram hacks, tricks. What have you I mean? From three years ago, Instagram is completely different. Yeah. Uh, hashtags, geotags. You know, you, we've we've got the preview scheduler app. Right. And then you're writing your captions in the moment. Yeah. How do, how do you see? Do you are you aware of hashtags? Do you keep hashtags in mind? Are there certain things that you like to favor when it comes to? tagging and trying to optimize quote yeah. unquote, Instagram? So so for me, I, th there's three things I look at. You know, I look at the geotag. So what area am I in? Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, that's going to be D.C., Virginia, Maryland. So just keeping that top of mind because that's that's first and foremost, I want to build my brand here before trying to, you know, step out into the world mm -hmm. because it, it, you have to you have to capture the people in your area that you're from. Right. Um, so that's the that's one thing. Um, the second thing that I look at, too, is the community pages. Um, so the fashion community pages. So there's a lot of fashion community pages. So what you want to do is go to those pages and see if there's a particular hashtag that they use because you want to end up on their radar to potentially get featured. Because honestly, the the way that you went on Instagram is a few things. One, being authentic. 
um, having an engaged audience, but also having your content being shared. You know, that that's the whole viral thing. And, and nobody knows how to go viral. If I was to say, oh, this is how you go to vi go viral. I really don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just may be that one thing. But the one thing I do know is, yeah, you go viral when multiple people are sharing your content. And that's what you want. You want them saving your content. You want them commenting, liking, and then sharing. Um, those those are the, the big things. So I would target the community pages that are in your niche. Um, so that's going to take a little bit of research, right? And then um, from there, I mean, I'll sometimes tag brands as well with the hashtags. Not all the time because I don't want to give them free promo because a part of the you know way that I build my brand is by doing collaborations where we're both um, benefiting from it. And sometimes that's monetary compensation. So if I'm going to continue to um, tag a brand in hopes that they – they're going to see me or repost my work. I mean, that's just not, it's not ideal. You know, there's different ways to get on their radar. But yeah, there are times where you should tag them. You know, if you, if you know you're putting something out there that's really good, um, I, would, I would tag them. Yeah, because there's been some times, some shoe companies that I wear frequently and I buy their items. I'll put some good outfits together and post it. And the next thing I know, they're like DMing me like, hey, can we repost this picture on my site? And I'm like, go ahead. You know, it's done its job. <laughs> you know, it got your attention. Yeah. Um, now we can kind of discuss maybe potentially down the line doing a collaboration because my goal is, especially with the brands that I'm passionate about, is being able to have, uh, you know, projects with them where they kind of, you know, obviously they're going to compensate me, but they're going to give me free reign with the product. Like, hey, O'Neill, here's the product. You go build your story around it. Tell your story with our product. And I think that that's, that's the type of partnerships that I'm looking for because, it's again, it's authentic and it's allowing me to be myself and I'm not restricted to what you want it visually to look like. Mm -hmm. Now I have free reign. I can go out and, you know, show your product in a way that maybe you haven't even thought about showing your product in. Yeah, because with brand deals, I mean, we can go deeper into yeah. this with brand deals and making money from this, yeah. making money like in the Instagram fashion world. Yeah. Um, like, how do you go about setting up a brand deal? Because there is yeah. that where you're trying to, you know, you have your brand, right. they have their brand. But if, you know, who has the leverage in this conversation yeah. and then um, what are they demanding from you? Yeah. It's like, you must do this, this and this, right. must have this many stories, one post. Yeah. Like. So, so a few things, how right? Do you, how do you navigate brand deals and, and working, it, working with larger brands? It, it's so crazy when you first start on Instagram and, and I'm in no way means like a big Instagram or anything like that, right? You know, I have a few bit, bit of follower, but um, in the beginning, I always used to think that the brands had the upper hand and that I didn't have as much value because I didn't have a ton of followers. Um, but that's not necessarily true. I think what's really important is the story that you're telling and the engagement that you have. The other thing is, yes, they are looking for the numbers because, I mean, it's a numbers game. How many people can this guy get me in front of? Mm -hmm. Right. It's a numbers game. Yeah, dollar, Two. dollar for dollar. Right. Yeah. But there are certain aspects where look, this guy can tell a crazy story or he can style our product in a way that we haven't thought about before and not even these other big bloggers that we have our eyes on to do a collab. They're not doing it in that way. We need to talk to this guy. Right. And that's what I've been able to um, do because of my unique styling. 
Um, so what that looks like to your, you know, you ask the question like, you know, how does that look? Do they have the leverage? Do they tell you what to do? They have guidelines. Yeah. So when you do collaborations, there are guidelines. You know, they tell you we want this particular type of mood. We want your messaging to be, you know, this type of way, but with your voice. Mm -hmm. But we want you to keep in mind these certain things. Right. So they give you the guidelines, but then they kind of give you a little bit of free reign to tell them, hey, this is the concept I had for this particular product that you're sending me. Mm -hmm. So you can go back and forth with the brand. Um, as far as your deliverables, that's between you and the brand. So like if a brand comes to me and they're like, you know, hey, O'Neill, what, what's your rate? You know, sometimes I'll tell them like, hey, you know, I'll give you one Instagram story and one post for X amount of dollars. And at that point, they'll say, hey, O'Neill, that sounds good. You know, let's draft up the contract or they'll say, hey, we were kind of looking for a little bit more content. What, what, you know, what's what does that look like? At that point, I'll just say, hey, what's your budget? And then we negotiate. But what I will not do is undersell myself because mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, I have the upper hand because you're coming to me because there's something about me that you want to leverage mm -hmm. to tell your brand story or e expand your brand's reach. So I have the upper hand. And what I've been learning to do this year, especially, is say no. When it, yeah, it, if they don't come to the terms that I feel comfortable with, I'll just tell them, hey, keep me in mind for future projects. You know, this one just doesn't seem like it's a good fit and walking away. And I've done that a bunch of times this year. And the reason why I know it was the right thing to do is immediately after I turn down a collab, next thing I know, there's like three or four other collabs coming in. Yeah. And it's like so crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, maybe I did make the right decision. Like I'm showing my value and there's some type of sign showing me like, hey, that's how you need to handle your business. Yeah. We don't have to name names, but can you talk about a kind of one that went a little sour or one that you just like, you didn't like, what is that gut feeling? Or like what, when you're reading the email that comes in or the DM? Like, I mean, sometimes they sometimes they kind of undervalue you or they ask you to do too much for too little or they'll say, well, hey, we don't have the budget, but we would love to just send you the product. Here's the thing. And this is where I'm just going to be open and honest. One, if the brand is coming to you or they're communicating to you through a PR company. I find it very hard to believe that one, you don't have a budget because you paid the PR company to find me. And now the PR company has to work with that budget that you gave them in order to find all the influencers that they need to push this collaboration, right? So if the PR company is saying, hey, O'Neill, we don't have a budget for this, but we want to send you the product. Essentially, what you're telling me is this, and I don't believe this is true, is that you're working for free. You are not working for that brand for free. And if you are, I don't know how you're keeping your doors open. Yeah. Let's be honest, right? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> so that's why it makes it so easy for me to say no, because one, you're not being honest. Just be upfront and say, hey, we just, this collab, mm -hmm. we're not looking to pay anybody. We just want to see who wants to do free product for exposure. 
you know, yeah. how do you feel about the exposure angle? Like, oh, you know, hey, new brand, you're a new Instagram account. You, it'd be a lot of exposure. Um, here's the thing. Um, it, there's a catch-22 to that. There are brands that I do do what you consider free work for, but it's because I really like the product. And anytime I pick up the phone or I DM them, they're like, hey, here, here's three pairs of shoes. Go do your thing. Right. But they're also open to paying me, too. So it's not just, oh, they're just sending me free product. They're, but there's just certain companies that like I just have a passion point for. And, you know, sometimes I just take on work because, hey, I may need the shoes to finish the style and I can't afford at the moment to pay three hundred dollars for the shoes. Right. Um, if if that's a scenario, that's a different conversation. But if you're coming at me and you you see some type of value and you're just trying to dish off product for you know my following i'm not going to be able to make this thing full-time if i'm taking in all of these free products for instagram posts when i know i could be making money you know what i mean to 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 get me to the space where i can say hey yeah i can step away from my nine to five so now i have to say no to certain things or when I'm presenting my value to the brand, I present it in a way that they're like, yeah, we need to pay this guy at the dollars that he's asking for, you know, create that value. So it may be for me right now, because I don't have as many followers, giving them more content, you know, but over delivering a little bit over delivering. But they're still kind of giving me the the price point that I'm looking for. But I'm just giving them a little bit more content than they would have gotten from somebody else that's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with. With monetizing, you know, we, we you have the brand deal. Yeah. How do you see the uh, affiliate market world? Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of girls use like to know it. Yeah, you know, I like, haven't used. Yeah. Where you can, you know, you take a snapshot right. of the outfit. You go to like to know it app or some other yeah. similar app, and, and it's they like, start getting boom, paid. There's the there's so, the outfit. So here's the thing. Uh, those the markets that you speak of are markets that I'm trying to jump into now, especially since I'm trying to be more um, instrumental on my blog, uh, because again, that is a um, you know a revenue stream that if you do things the right way and you're kind of honest and you're finding the right products to promote that fit you, I think you can you can do an amazing job. I remember um, we had a, a panel discussion and there were a few guys that really do an amazing job at you know the affiliate marketing and things like that. And they're like, listen, each year we're bringing in about six figures off of our blog because we've been able to one, write blogs that rank on Google, but then we have all of these affiliate links that, you know, pretty much are live for the life of the blog and people are clicking on those things and we're generating revenue from that. And I haven't done that in the past. So a lot of stuff that I've done to get, um, you know, monetary compensation on Instagram and things like that, it's just me posting, styling, and then DMing brands and letting them know like, hey, take a look at my page. I, I believe that I can style your product in a way that will be intriguing for your your audience, but just show them how to, you know, make it functional. Because while you in your mind had one function for that piece, I can show your audience and my audience how they can use it maybe three different ways. And then that's going to change their buying decision. And 
I guess we might get a little too insider baseball. What is affiliate marketing just for anyone who's like, wait, you click on a link and you go to, how do you make money? The easiest way for me to say it is just kind of like an electronic word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. So you, there's a certain product that you're trying to push or that you bought and you liked it and now you want to share it with your people. The company, the brand will give you a link. If that person clicks on the link and then purchases that item, again, it varies from brand to brand, you're going to get a certain percentage of that sale. Like a commission. Yeah, almost. you're going to get a commission. So okay. you're, you're going to get a certain per- percentage of that sale. And your goal is to get as many people buying as possible. And that number is up mm-hmm. to you. So you would have to sit down and say, okay, well, based on all of these affiliate links that I have, how many people do, do I have to filter to these links and actually get them to buy in order to make the certain dollar amount that I need? monthly Mm -hmm. right but here's the other thing some of the affiliate links you get paid just by them just clicking it just traffic just traffic Mm. so you got to think if you have a very active blog and your people kind of jump when you tell them to jump i mean you could make a ton of money along with those revenue streams you also do you do do you do paid for styling guides for people individuals yeah so i do that and and i don't market it as much because there's a few things one people are cheap sure <laughs> okay and then uh two i just haven't really put a lot of work into finding the people that need the service and that would actually pay for the service mm. and that's probably what i need to sit down and kind of um, create a game plan for that, right? Okay. Um, but in, in, in yeah, what, what would an ideal client look look like? You know, they come to you, yeah. they say, "What I'm wearing, yeah. I don't feel comfortable in. Yeah. My wardrobe is crap. Like, I need help." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that that would be the ideal client. So the ideal client for me would be somebody that's kind of either transitioning from college into the professional world, or somebody that's already in the professional world and they're looking to level up right within that professional world that they're in so essentially what i would do at that point is when they reach out to me i would have them fill out a questionnaire so i can have an idea one what do you do who do you want to kind of emulate or what style out there is there a certain person that you've seen that you like their style and that's kind of where we can start and from there I would kind of identify just a few things about their personality, right? Because y- your clothing should always tell a story, okay. right? Even it's, things like how you feel in public, how you feel in private. It, what, what Exactly. What, what do you do? You, like, what do you do? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to dictate how you dress or how comfortable you feel dressing. Mm-hmm. So at that point, once I identify those things, I can put together some looks for those individuals. We can do it one of two ways. You can come with me to the places that we're going to get your items from, or I can shop for you. And I'll tell you the option that I like. I would much rather shop for you. The reason being is once you get that individual walking around with you, one, it's going to take more time. So it's going to cost you more money because I'm going to charge you hourly, right? So if you're kind of being combative, like, no, I don't like this, or we're going to spend a lot of time that we shouldn't spend, whereas I can pick the pieces out, bring them to you, and then you can try them on and we can decide at that point, okay, does this really make sense for you? Maybe we need to take this back or go from there. So I'll give you an example. Um, I had somebody reach out to me because they saw me on Instagram and they were like, hey, what's your process? So I went through the process that I told you before. I, you know, I spoke to them over the phone. I sent them the questionnaire. They gave me their budget. 
what I did was the initial meetup, I was like, okay, come with me to the mall first and foremost. So one, we can get your sizing, but then I can kind of like, if we see something here or there, we'll grab it. We're only going to spend an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So we did that. After I identified the things that he likes and the sizes and all of that, I just went straight online to all the places that I leveraged to get him the stuff. Here's what ended up happening. I got him all the stuff and more. And he was like, this is crazy. And I was like, um, that's not the end of the story. Um, you also have $250 left. He was like, what? I was like, you got $250 left. And he was like, that's crazy. And I was like, guess what? That's what you're going to use to get some of the alterations for your clothes. And you're still going to have money left because I'm going to have you use my, my tailor. And she's going to give you a discount. So he ends up probably with $150 remaining from the budget that he gave me. But that's because I know how to shop and I know exactly what to look for. And I know where the sales are. I know the whole nine. So I'm not going to steal from you. Like my hourly rate is my hourly rate. I could have easily just been like, oh, I spent all the money, but that's not me. I want you to know that one, I'm an honest person and that's going to bring you back to me or that's going to have you tell somebody like, hey, I, I went with O'Neal. This guy found me a ton of more clothes than I even asked for, even shoes. And he came back with money and that that his budget included paying me. So he still ended up with that 250 to do his alterations or whatever, including him paying me Over, hourly. Over delivering. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Right on. Okay, so we we can almost wrap up here. I yeah, think this is like the last thing I want to know about. Quick, this will be just hot take, uh, <laughs> little little uh, little quick quick little things, small little things that men can do to improve their style. Or like, if you just made this one little tweak, if you thought about mm -hmm. this a little what different yeah. way, this would like bump you up 10, 20, 30 percent. I think I think I'll speak. Well, let me just quickly speak for the city. So here's what I see a lot of times, right? I see a lot of people just going out to events. They're wearing these blazers, a button down shirt and some jeans and some shoes. That's what I'm seeing, right? I think one thing that a guy can do is one, uh, understand their fit. So they need to go in the store because what ends up happening is you say, hey, I wear a medium or I'm a 32 waist that's just the general size for you. You may need to go in the store and then see what actually fits. Cause I used to wear 32s forever, but comes to find out when I got measured, I was a 31 and a half. So now, you know, a lot of my clothes are custom or I'm taking them to get altered, right? A lot of guys are still not altering their clothes. You're not taking them to get alterations and you need to. They'll buy the suit off the rack. They'll and buy the suit off the rack and put, put the thing on. And then sometimes when they do put it on, they, they're not paying attention to the suit. They're leaving the tags on it or they're leaving the vents still closed. It's just little things like pay attention to the details. Like when you buy certain items, you, you need to make sure that you get the fit right. Because when you get the fit right, that in itself speaks confidence. Even if it's a cheap, cheap suit or a cheap pair of jeans, whatever it is, if the fit is right, nine times out of 10, somebody that's not in fashion will not tell that it's a low end thing. So you make sure that you get that fit down proper because then that in itself is just going to say this guy knows what he's doing. Right. The second thing is um, before you kind of, you know, jump out there and try to do patterns and all these crazy things, just keep it basic. 
keep it basic you know keep get get those few basic colors and get things that are functional because sometimes it comes down to cost some people can't pay to have all these clothes or they don't have the influence where brands are just sending them things so when you are first starting out and you're trying to change your wardrobe make sure that all the pieces that you're buying can serve two or three functions because it's going to take you a longer way than you just buying a bunch of like oh i'm just going to go buy a ton of cheap clothes and just try to you know swap them out each day i would buy quality pieces that can serve two or three functions because you know it's going to last and then as you start to understand your style, you start to add to it. Yeah. So like start with the basics. Start with build, the basics. Build on that. Yeah, and just build on that. And you buy your pieces there. And when the sales are happening, p- pay attention. You know, pay attention to the sales. Like if, if if you know there's like a good brand out there or something, I'll just throw a random name out there. Like J. Crew. They they while they're not as good as they used to be, because they used to make a lot. I used to live and die in J. Crew, but now they're not. I don't feel like they're styling the way that they used to in the past, but they're still making quality clothes. And when it goes on sale, it goes on a crazy sale. So you can jump in there, you can find plain clothes that are good quality, and then you can also find you know a few pattern shirts and stuff like that and just start putting it together. Um, and it's quality. It'll last you forever. Some of my shirts that I bought from there, I've had for seven years. And it's still like they're brand new. And come on. You know, you're saving money and at the same time, you're kind of elevating yourself. But I would just say fit. Um, keep it simple. Make sure that the pieces that you're buying are functional because if they're not functional, then you're going to have to buy more. You're going to have to invest in more. And that may not be feasible in the beginning. Um, so that's that's what I would say. And maybe one point about accessories, shoes, watches, yeah. jewelry. Everything is about functionality. So you could like a certain watch because it looks good and it may be a good brand but you have to ask yourself that watch that I put on how many different outfits can I wear it with because sometimes somebody will see something that's like oh I like this red watch it has red straps on it it's like super cool but then you can only wear it with one or two things those are the type of things you get later when your wardrobe is built so right now you see this silver watch I bought this watch probably I bought it five years ago. Yeah. But Clean, I could, I simple could wear face. it with anything. Yeah. I could, any color that, I could put it on with anything. And and that's that's where you have to go. So everything that you buy, just have function in mind. Because then one, you're not going to spend as much money, but then it's going to take you a longer way. And you add those things later. If you see something on sale that's pretty cool, then you kind of add it here. And that's what I do. So I buy all the functional pieces. And as I see those things that like are like one-off wares or not as functional, as long as they're on sale and it's within my price range, then I'll buy it. Um, glasses, you know, again, make sure like I see you, you have the tortoise shell. That's perfect. You could wear that with almost anything. So you could throw that on with like any outfit, but you just want to make sure your stuff is just functional. That's what that is. Functional is the name of the game, Um, especially in styling. If you want to keep your price down and then be able to have your pieces work for you, because that's what you want. You don't want to work for your pieces. You're working for your pieces when you have to go out and buy a ton of them. Um, They're working for you when you can say, hey, this navy suit, I can wear it to work with a tie. When I'm done and I'm going to happy hour, I take my tie off and unbutton two buttons. Hey, you guess what? Me and my friends are going to hang out. I'm just going to use the blazer, the dress shirt, and throw on a nice pair of, of denim 
or another pair of just like um, trousers, but it's it's doing a lot for you. And you don't have to buy something else to do that. Yeah, it's like you're you're kind of making an investment in your clothing. Exactly. You want it to last as long as possible. That's 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 the name of the game. Just as I mentioned before, you know, the creative gentleman um, really it was in response to um, just being original. You know, being original, being yourself, just kind of understanding um, your story. But then the other thing is, um, just as I mentioned before, a, a lot of guys have different responsibilities. They have families, the whole nine, but you can still be fly. So I would say if, if you have aspirations of doing it, or if you're like looking at yourself and you're like, man, I can't be fly because of my scenario. Um, just take the small steps, you know, you, you can definitely, you know, reach out to me or reach out to somebody else that you're inspired by on social media, but just take the small steps. And there's no reason why you have to, um, play down to whatever responsibilities or circumstances that you're in. You can, you can still get it done. And where can we find your work? Where can we find your Profile, website, plug away, my friend. All right. So uh, at The Creative Gentleman on Instagram, and my website is thecreativegentleman.net. And that's gentleman singular. Gentle, gentleman. Not, yeah. ge- not gentlemen. Not gentlemen, gentleman. Yeah. So that's singular. So you'll find me there on on all my socials. If you go to my website, it'll, it'll have links to everything else. Uh, one thing that I'm going to be working on that's soon to come is YouTube because I want to start dropping some style video, style advice. Like everybody's trying to push me onto that platform now. And I think I think it's time for me to take that dive. <laughs> right on. Well, Neil, thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for being on the show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, that was O'Neill Gardner for you. Uh, the Creative Gentleman. Uh, if you want to head over to his website, thecreativegentleman.net, check out his work, check out his photos, contact him if you want to get a fashion shoot with him, let him know. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to this or if you haven't re- left a review on the podcast, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Spotify, leave a review, hit subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next week for the next episode. We're now at episode four. This is the first season. Feeling good about this so far. Also, if you're looking to get on the podcast, if you have a friend, if you know someone who is just killing it in the creative world, being a creator and artist, uh, let me know. Send me a DM at Jordan P. Anderson on Instagram. And uh, let's get in contact. Let's try to get him on the show. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.